Congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. I can't buy no more. I can't buy no more. Army, for the second year, has won it. To the winners of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcons. All right, welcome to back to the Against All Enemies podcast. I am Justin Mears, your host slash moderator, uh, and joined once again by Kayla Jackson, Scott Lopez, and Austin Lantain to talk all things Army, Air Force, and Navy athletics. It's uh, it's the end of the year. Commissioning has happened at all three service academies. Everyone's off on basket leave, and we've kind of we've kind of wrapped things up for the season. Minus track and field and like sailing or something like that still going on so all the sports are pretty much wrapped up um so how you guys doing what was that real quick sailing basket sailing sailing no no basket league oh that's what we call our uh post-graduation 30 days leave you guys get like 60 days right so it's like yeah we just call it 60 days okay yeah Yeah, i've never heard that term before so i was like oh yeah yeah basket leave we get a uh twice the size of basket leave yeah double basket Force. leave 60 60 days what do you do it's like basket basket i mean basket meaning everybody gets it like it's blank oh, blanket okay. i don't know i don't know what you would that's what they've always called it the basket. deal is with it is that we always complain and i was always jealous because at the end of the day that entire like how many days of leave you get over your time at the academy is all standardized, but how they want to break it up is based on the academy. So Navy and Army would get more days of vacation throughout mm. the year, so they would get longer um, Thanksgivings and winter breaks, and then we got 60 days at the end. And I was pretty boring. I just went to Europe for mine, but there are kids who literally go around the entire world. Yeah, I did Thailand. It was for my honeymoon, 30 days. It's pretty awesome. I don't even remember what I did. <laughs> I think I may have worked the Navy volleyball camps. <laughs> That's a good cover story. What you really did. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, no, in Thailand, but yeah, you know what's another thing I've been seeing recently, and I don't, Austin, I don't know if you picked up on this, but like, there's you know obviously a lot of complaining about um, senior year at the academy as it gets toward the end of just like being done with it, right? And I'm like starting to see the ensign posts of like. Uh, I got my first house and like own my own car and I got money in the bank and I'm an officer and like life is so good now. And it's like, dude, literally two weeks ago, you're like, I hate this place so much. I can't wait to be out of here. This is the worst experience I've ever been through. And like two weeks later, it's like, oh, I got that first instant paycheck and life is just, life is great. I think that's a testament to how much your life just changes the second you walk across the stage. It's true. Yeah, but it's always the people that say they they hate it and don't want to come back. They're usually the first ones that are coming back right yep. that's what everyone always that's, says that's that's me absolutely 100 yeah. <laughs> percent. so and that's us i mean we're here to, <laughs> we're here doing this podcast <laughs> talking all things yep. service academy athletics so um all right well it's the kind of the season wrap up you can kind of expect from here on out we're going to be football heavy as we hit you know uh, the the summer and um maybe not as frequent on the podcast but we'll be re- you know revving up and ramping up because football is going to be the big deal but we wanted to kind of have a, an end-of-season wrap-up. If you missed our Ike Award kind of final thing, um, final post, we still haven't 
made a trophy yet, but uh, but and there was some discussion on that as I knew there would be because we talked about it a lot, you know, last time and two times ago. Uh, but Air Force did did win. There was no way Navy could catch them, as you guys pointed out to me, my lack of math skills. Um, but Air Force did hold on and uh, and win that. But um, they played against Army and Navy combined less times than Navy had victories overall. Um, so we'll see how that goes moving forward. But I mean, I still don't think there's any better way to to try and incorporate all three schools. And they obviously won. I mean, they still won more than 50% of their games. Um, so they they still won it. But Air Force did win the Ike Award for most our highest winning percentage among the three schools over the course of the entire year. Um, and kind of building off of that, I guess, maybe perhaps, and this was actually Austin's idea, um, but we decided that we're going to do a kind of series over the next week or two weeks where everybody in the that's a writer for Against All Enemies gets a chance to uh, maybe cap, kind of capture one different award. But we wanted to uh, have a series of awards where we kind of give out Best Service Academy performance, uh, Best Team of the Year, you know, male, female athlete of the year, best championship, best game, um, coaches of the year, things like that um, across all three service academies. I think it's going to be really good. I think it's going to be a cool thing to do kind of at the end of the season before we really hit that summer lull and people kind of still have in their minds the past year. And I hope um, that we get, you know, that it, that it, we get some good vote, voting from the fans and that people kind of get into it and kind of reminisce about the past season because there was obviously some really good stuff that happened. Um, so I'm excited to kind of dive into that. We haven't brought up any of the names or any of the awards. We're going to kind of do that on the podcast today and have some discussions on those things and look back at the last year and yeah, it should be good. So hopefully y'all are excited too. Yep. Yep. Lots of different, uh, sports excited also to highlight too, that we didn't really touch on in the earlier versions of the podcast so far. Yeah. Some good performances from some different things and and there's inevitably will be some, you know, I probably will play devil's advocate more than I, than I agree just because, um, it, it is really hard to choose. We tried to kind of, de- or this is kind of Austin, like I said, was the one that came up with us. So kind of thought, hey, make sure we have at least one from each school. So that's three minimum. And we'll look at probably four or five. So some schools, will, you know, in each award will have multiple, but we tried to kind of narrow it down to four or five. And and that's tough when you're looking at the across every sport in the entire year to, you know, say who was the team of the year and what was the performance of the year and things like that. But um, we asked all of our contributors to the site, not just us on the podcast, all the bloggers to, to give us their input. I actually didn't add really anything um, just so I could kind of let everybody have their input from the different schools. And now I get to kind of, you know, pick apart what you guys wrote down there. Um, but I think it'll be a good discussion. So anybody have anything in particular they want to talk about first uh, or where we should start or just diving in at uh, the top. I don't want to do like team and, and female and male athlete of the year. I think that's kind of too, that those are maybe the, the pinnacle ones. So um, any thoughts? I, I was going to say, uh, I think a fun one to kick off with would either be best championship performance or kind of like best game of the year. This kind of, this might overlap, but kind of sets the tone for uh, some athletes or some teams that may have shined anyway and get some of those other awards. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Um, Let's go best game of the year then. Um, so best game of the year, best win of the year by any team at your service academy. Uh, and I'll just kind of run through what we had written down and um, and then let you guys kind of have your kind of discussion on it. But um, Scott, I'm guessing you did the Air Force write-in, so we'll just kick it to you first. You had written down men's soccer over Denver in the, tournament, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, can you kind of bring us back to that game and <clears> – <throat> Yeah, absolutely. So, 
Um, this was a tough one. And the other thing is, is I, what I really like about this kind of like exercise is that it's so open-ended and you can kind of think about what all the metrics are. So maybe, you know, maybe there was, there was better games in some, in some aspects, I would say even potentially their win over James Madison may have been more exciting earlier on in the season. But if you just take into account the atmosphere, everything that was going on, the point in the season that they were at, um, it was the second round of the NCAA tournament, and quite frankly, they were supposed to lose. They were a lower seed than Denver. Denver had been hot all year, and uh, they just played pretty lights out. It was still a really exciting game, but they were able to come away with two goals and win that game. And so I was really excited about that. And then also this kind of tied together, um, you know, not to spoil too much, but just how excited I was about Tucker Bone and his performance. So I would say overall from what we could see and the fact that it was available on TV and everything, it was probably my favorite game of the year. And if I had to go back, I think kind of the metric I did is that if I had to go back and rewatch a competition, this would be the one that I wanted to rewatch. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good way to look at it. I hadn't really thought about it that way as far as most exciting or or game you would want to go back and rewatch. And I know you have men's soccer or players listed for you know three or four of the awards. And there's no doubt that the Air Force men's soccer team um, on a national scale um, probably is obviously up there with with any of the service academy teams this year. Um, they were you know for a while top 10 in the country, right? I mean, they had made it into the top mm -hmm. 10. Um, they had that crazy winning streak and then, you know, ha had a couple losses towards the end of the season in the Mountain West Conference Tournament, so they didn't have that championship performance per se um, as far as being in that category. But, I mean, they were dominant all year. Uh, and so that, that may be or probably was the, pinna the pinnacle of their season, right, because they lose the next game to a really, really good Indiana squad. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, to, to kind of upset Denver there, that was definitely a good one. And I'm I'm not even really a soccer fan. We were talking about soccer before we even came on here, the Gold Cup or the, the friendly right now um, leading up to the Gold Cup between the U.S. and Jamaica is on. And the U.S. national team has been training at the Naval Academy for the past week. So, you know, I kind of followed along because of that. But I'm not even a huge soccer fan. And I enjoyed – I got to see Air Force in person and uh, against Navy. And just, I mean, they, they were a really good team. Yeah. So Yeah, I, I think my biggest challenge and and kind of the best game of the year is every game I could think of for Navy would also fall under the best championship performance bucket. Like some things that come to mind are the Navy sprint football win over Army, uh, which was a champ was which the sprint championship and then Navy's volleyball win actually over American in the Patriot League, the first time that they won the, the tournament uh, and the history of the Patriot League. So that those two spoke to me the most but they were also championship performances so i was trying to figure out which bucket they go into but kind of using scott's logic of which game would you want to watch again and unfortunately navy did not win this one it would probably be the men's lacrosse uh game this year that in terms of the regular season game against army the army navy men's lacrosse game wasn't a championship performance type game but it was still obviously an exhilarating game to to watch that went down well, beyond the wire, I guess you could say, in terms of the, the overtime win for Army. It's interesting because I feel like I had the opposite sort of mindset in terms of championship performance versus best game because I was kind of thinking, like Scott, um, the most memorable game, the one I would want to rewatch, um, and I had kind of, you know, football in my head. And 
we had, you know, a relatively really great season and the kind of the championship wasn't too, <laughs> um, I guess, inciting in, in terms of down to the last second. And so um, we kind of had a little bit of a chance to kind of highlight some other teams. So for play of the year, um, or best, uh, yeah, game win, rather, we had, or I chose our double overtime win against Miami, Ohio, which someone else put in there too. So I was like, okay. So we were kind of, you know, towing the line there. Um, but the game, I remember my cousin had, you know, came over and I was like writing down my game notes and I remember like screaming in my house and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting because we were down to like the last um, 16 seconds or so and they were both 24 and there was a, uh, I think a face mask pull or something and got us in the first down and, and took us into the end zone. So that was awesome. But also now that I think about it, also playing against Oklahoma, um, going into overtime, I mean, that's... I don't think a lot of people were expecting that, keeping them on their toes. So that would that's definitely a contender as well. Yeah, and so I this is one of the ones for Army where I would would definitely throw out playing devil's advocate because it, and honestly, I wasn't expecting Austin necessarily to say that losing to Army in anything <laughs> is best game of the year, um, but but a loss as best game, I can see that for sure. That Oklahoma game, I mean, that's. Aside from the fact that you had to pay sixty dollars or whatever, watch, right, to watch his Twitch stream to watch the game, um, you know that I mean that was even on GameCast, just like uh, it, super exciting, and that was as about as good as Army could possibly have hoped to do, and and I can see the argument for that being best game of the year, even in a loss yeah. against an Oklahoma team that's got the Heisman Trophy right. uh, winner, you know, at quarterback, and there's you know Nactagall's sacking him and I mean just just in a ter- tremendous game as far as exciting nail biter obviously that Miami Ohio game at home uh, was tremendously exciting but but when I first thought of this from an army perspective but I'm not I'm not the army guy um, my, my initial you know inclination from a football perspective was was the Houston game was the bowl game mm-hmm. I mean you got a coach fired yeah. like literally <laughs> that, that game you got a coach fired yeah um, if if it's a two touchdown game or uh, certainly, if Houston wins that game, uh, I think Major Applewhite's still the head coach at Houston, um, unless they already had something you know lined up with Dana Holgerson. But to to dominate, and I don't even remember what the final score was. Now I could look that up right now. It was like seventy to fourteen or something like that. Um, just the way that you dominated yeah, it was. that Houston team um, that had been solid throughout the year. And yeah, I know Ed Oliver wasn't playing and all that stuff, but I mean, they beat Navy. Um, ran away with them in the second half and just to, to beat them by six touchdowns or more or whatever it was. I mean, that was just such an impressive game or win. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's a tough, that's a tough, I don't know if anybody else has any thoughts, but that, that for me was one where I was like, ah, if I was picking, that's, that might be where I would lean. I would also, and maybe, see, also I feel like I get some kind of bias from this just because we talked about him so much, um, but I almost feel like maybe we could even include uh, Army's win over Navy uh, against Noah Song pitching, just because of how much was riding on that and how much really went into that game. And I mean, all of us had kind of yep. collectively said there's no chance that they they beat Noah Song, and they took down the great the great pitcher and gave him his his own his lone loss of the season. So I thought that was maybe something that could be up there too. That's in there, I think. Uh, someone put his best upset under army okay. so yep yeah well, someone so did write down best upset it's in uh, there over navy in the patriot league tourney so uh, and that, yeah a lot of crossover yeah <clears throat> yeah by, for sure by definition i suppose that is an upset so <laughs> <laughs> so that's good i mean so i anything else anybody else to add yeah i think the only one that didn't get mentioned on the navy side um 
was Navy men's tennis over Army for the Patriot League title. They won 4-3 in the Patriot League finals for best championship performance, but obviously kind of the, the, the bleed over with best game or win of the year. And then I think I think Rocky really liked the uh, men's basketball rebounds <laughs> against Holy Cross. Yes, <laughs> yeah. play by play. He won't stop... Yeah, he loves that one. He's like, man, we got 47 rebounds against Holy Cross. I'm like, yeah, it's yeah. great, but that's our best game of the year. Like, yeah. Rough year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I thought the same thing. I was like, I mean, that's cool. That's a cool stat. But um, if that's what we're hanging our hat on this year, um, sorry, men's basketball, but if we're hanging our hat on men's basketball this year, it was uh, it was rough. Though we won the Stars. I mean, so it's, I don't know. I started looking at that too, right? I'm looking like, I'm looking through, trying to think through, write some notes down. And it's like, man, like we won the Star Series again against army which is great um but there just wasn't much to choose from as far as like a just dominating a winner performance for navy and um i didn't really give you my thoughts on that per se but i think unless you're just trying to avoid the overlap just remembering and back maybe even the same thing of of scott's idea of what would you most want to go back and kind of watch just that the volleyball winning that Patriot league tourney title was i think that was really cool i mean just to, to finally get over that hump against american and that that might be where i would uh, where I would lean for for best game of the year. So I was going to say before before we go to a break or anything, since this kind of I think these all kind of mesh together. We mentioned a little bit with best upset. That'd be a good like quick segue if anyone has like a top upset of the year that they remember from their respective academy. Um. So I was gonna and we had Scott already touched on this the the baseball against Navy only because we were so vehemently talking about <laughs> Army losing. Um. And even uh you know Scott and I's conversation um about you know in the regionals and interesting enough how they performed or I think kind of underperformed. We might have gave them a little bit too much a uh, slack in the beginning, but that was my upset. But we also had one. Um, for hockey in the ACH tournament against Mercyhurst. So that's another Army uh, big upset that was up there. Yeah, and that was. I mean, that was, you know, Army kind of limped into the tourney there, and I don't think anybody expected that upset against Mercyhurst. And I'm also not going to pretend like I'm a big college hockey guy. Um, that would be Joe Kramer's kind of realm on here, or even Scott maybe, you know, would be able to chime in on that. But but that was obviously a huge upset seeding-wise to, to beat Mercyhurst. Um, in the hockey t- in the AHC tournament there, so you know that was a big deal. And Scott, you wrote down men's soccer over Denver, kind of again for for best upset. You kind of, I mean, is that kind of the pinnacle you know game match upset all in one for Air Force this year? I mean, that, once again, that team was was dominant. I mean, they deserve to be included in here multiple times for sure. Yeah, I'd say so. This is another tough one because it's just kind of like I, I'm trying to put the sports fan perspective on it, and especially if we have people weighing in i mean there was a few times earlier maybe that there was better upsets uh on in the soccer program where we beat other ranked teams uh by close i mean not closer margins but um in closer games because even though air force won that game two to one um we had a pretty commanding lead the entire time in terms of ball possession that kind of thing and i mean really i could even potentially say air force baseball when we beat kansas uh three to two you know that was a close game and i'm sure that was exciting as well but or the I mean, ECU victory. Considered. Yeah, exactly. And so all things considered, I would say, um, given the circumstances, I would still pick uh, men's soccer over Denver. Or even, and this kind of ties into the to the national championship performance that we had with our air rifle team. I mean, that was in, kind of an upset yeah. um, in terms of where we fell 
to, to go against all those teams and, and be able to come away with the win down to the wire, too. Yep. So that was another thing. So, um, yeah, a lot to choose from. But if I had to put my best foot forward and, and give people something to potentially vote on that has the best chance of winning, if we were doing that, um, then I would say probably that soccer win over Denver. And I'll throw it to the other two of you as well, but I'm just going to go ahead and I'll close out my best upset thoughts in that uh, I kind of agree with Scott. If I was an Air Force guy trying to kind of be the polit- on the political side, like, hey, I'm going to put this in because this has the best chance of winning. Of the th- of the three that we've kind of discussed so far, we haven't really brought up Navy upsets of the Army upset over Mercyhurst or Army over Navy in the Patriot League tournament, which technically by the seating was an upset. Um, I think I would definitely, if I was voting, uh, trying to be unbiased, I would give the men's soccer over Denver upset my vote. So, Any other thoughts, Austin, Kayla? Austin, you want to throw out any Navy upsets? There wasn't even really anything written down there. So. Oh, I know. We, we talked about it on our Slack channel a little bit, and I hadn't even mentioned Navy beating Memphis and football. Like, when you look at it, I guess that was an upset. Like Looking back on Memphis winning the West, but... You know, it, I don't think that that's necessarily like a deserving title of that game or anything. Uh, I don't know. Um, you could say the, the volleyball thing as well, but that was, I think, a one versus two, so the girls are probably not going to tell you that they thought that was an upset. Yeah. But I, nothing really sticks out in terms of like, a, oh my gosh, I can't believe Navy won game X or Y. Yeah, yeah I kind of felt the same way. I couldn't come, I couldn't, you know, there's some good lacrosse matchups. I think that maybe one or two of those were an upset women's side, but... That's been a top fifteen team, but I, I couldn't come away with anything. I, I even tried to, I, I literally like went sport by sport trying to like look back and be like, hey, was there anything? And it really was that just kind of year for Navy where um, obviously some disappointment in, in lots of sports, but for the most part I think kind of steady hand, won with their you know, won a lot they were supposed to win, didn't like lose too many, you know, matches that they, they shouldn't have, but no, like, major upsets across any, at least of the major sports for sure. Um, so, yeah. Kayla, you have I any think, thoughts? Uh, on... the, the biggest one on paper was uh, Water Polo's win over Cal yeah, Baptist. Cal Baptist, they were ranked yeah. 14th. So, they, yep. they beat a top 15 team in the country. So, that would probably be the one, to be honest with you. Yeah, and that may, may be the one that ends up on there. Um, I, I think the the Navy over Army in the sprint, you brought that up earlier too. I mean, technically I, that would have been an upset too, um, having lost the Army in sprint in the regular season to come back and win um, the, the tourney or the championship. Um, yeah, that, that was an upset too, I guess. So Sure. All right, well, let's, let's just go right to best championship performance and then we'll kind of take a break um, and come back with some of the individual or collective – awards for teams and stuff because that probably will be a little more juicy on the conversation for sure um and we'll also kind of throw in some some updates on some news that has happened i guess in the past week or so so best championship performance um this is an interesting one because people went different ways some went with the overall kind of performance for the team but then i kind of i don't know if that was kayla if you put brandon nickturn in there but no um, but i brandon nickturn i agree in there, with but it. the individual <laughs> performance i think that was uh, that was an interesting take and so i guess joe must have done that um, perhaps, but that kind of individual best championship performance. So, um, I think yeah, that was me. Was oh. that you? That was good. There's the Navy guy the throwing in, trying to <laughs> sneak in. The, Coach, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you want to talk about a, that? That one. was an impressive performance in a pa- in a in a Patriot League championship setting, right? Yeah. So that's okay. the way I thought of it. Like three goals, three assists in the finals. Like, okay, like that's pretty good. Okay, that's valid. I I would agree. And that's what I was at first. I was like, wait, are we going overall? Or are we going individual per person? But I kind of like 
the way, um, Austin, that you put it, kind of giving a little bit more attention to the specific player rather than overall. Because I feel like if I was overall, I'd just be biased and pick football, and I don't want to do that every single time. <laughs> <laughs> well, another thing to, to consider, too, is is that run that they made maybe overall is best upset. Um, we, didn't, we didn't bring that up, but the men's lacrosse team's run – um, to win the Patriot League tourney, and that was that was pretty strong. And that they had you know two major upsets there to have to do that. But but Nick Turner was dominant all year, and, mm-hmm. and certainly to come out on the biggest stage um, with the, a tournament berth on the line and and put up a you know a six point performance, three goals, three assists. I mean that's pretty solid um, for an individual level championship performance for sure. Um, yeah. So Scott, you already talked about the air rifle team. You want to kind of add anything on that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's I know air rifles a little bit esoteric. It's it's not the the most popular sport in terms of uh, watchability and that kind of thing. But even just hearing the story, you have to think it's a pretty masterful performance. It's a two day uh, sh- shooting tournament, I guess is what you would call it. And um, on Friday, we were in fifth place uh, behind, you know, and TCU was the big contender. And then on Saturday, the last rounds of shooting, they were able to come back um, and outshoot TCU by 10 center shots uh, to break the tie and, and help the Falcons win the air rifle title. So, I mean, if I can get goosebumps and get excited just reading about it, because obviously there's no video of it, I think that's a pretty good championship performance. And, um, I mean, once again, I think that still we even could have put some of the – we. I mean, it wasn't – I don't know if you consider the – NCAA tourney a part of the championship, but I think even the men's soccer team could probably compete in that competition as well. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of stand by the, the air rifle and I, I mean, I think it's awesome. I mean, I think it's great. I, I mean, once again, if you're playing like who are you going to vote for, there's no other national champion on there. I mean, that, they're national champions. Like how, yeah. how, what, what better championship performance are you going to have than to be the national champions? Um, we have some great conference tourney you know champions in there but i i do think that the intent was it needed to be in some sort of championship match so i would say the men's soccer team and unfortunately that's a good it's kind of a i just thought about this uh, for air force maybe this year you know some really solid teams um if you look at the women's tennis team right or or the men's soccer team who you can't really claim best championship performance because even though they were as good as they were, they didn't win the championship. They kind of fell short mm-hmm. in the in the Mountain West Conference tourneys there, you know, or the West Coast Conference for soccer, right? But um, that's kind of an interesting thought I hadn't really thought about before is that, um, you know, perhaps if they had been able to win their tourneys, they went, they you know, from a name brand perspective would have been bigger than the air rifle team. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, th- I think the, the heart of the question is who has the clutch gene? what it comes down to yeah um all right so we kind of already hit a little bit of army there you have anything else you want to add for army before we throw in some navy because i think navy might have the biggest conversation as far as kind of trying to nitpick which is the best championship performance yeah i'm thinking and so now that you said that because i was at first i was like oh well does patriot league tournament kind of play count because both so the women's soccer team and the women's rugby team for army uh, went pretty far. I know the women's soccer team, um, they played up until Patriot League semifinals. And they actually, I was looking over the schedule, um, it could kind of go for maybe best um, kind of championship play because they won in double overtime against Navy. 
um, 1-0. So that was a definitely a good game looking at the review there. Um, and then the women's rugby team, which someone put up uh, for another category, um, also uh, went through in semi-Patriot uh, League play. So, I, I mean, those can two get my votes. Even technically, they weren't kind of an overall championship um, winner. But also to, also to give the love to the women's team, I would, I would think those would qualify as well. Yeah, I mean, they were good. And once again, it's just whatever the intent of, intent of it is. And I, I'm not going to speak for Austin. He can tell us what he, what he was thinking when he wrote best championship performance. But my, my thought was best performance in a championship victory, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think it was liter- literary license. Interpretation yeah. <laughs> is your own. Um, if you look at my nominees, yeah, I forgot. I think I was the one who did that with Nick Turn, but... <laughs> Um, aside from that, when I went on Navy-focused ones, they were more team-oriented when I had the Navy volleyball and Navy men's tennis, uh, which I already talked about. But I, was it you that had the suggestion? for? Or I guess it wasn't you because someone else mentioned gymnastics. I didn't write gymnastics, so I'm guessing that was Rocky. I did write pen relays. That's like the only thing I wrote on here. Maybe maybe one other thing um, just because of the historic significance of, of the – was it the four by one hundred team or whatever that won the pin or four by four? I don't that know what shuttle relay or yeah. whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, go ahead. so so. What would your vote be? You got kind of four choices there, more than the other between gymnastics winning the ECAC, which was a big deal, yeah, for sure. That historic pin relays performance, um, and then men's tennis to to kind of make that comeback win over Army and the volleyball. Uh, uh, for me, I I probably biased because of the sport but yeah. i understand how hard it was yeah. to kind of dethrone american in the patriot league and even when i was a midshipman the next closest to competing with american in volleyball was army so the fact that navy was able to unseat them in the patriot league championship and, and win for the first time i would have to pick that this year for my best championship performance yeah, I mean, I liken that to like Army women's lacks upsetting Loyola almost or something like that, right? To win a championship, um, it, it's I, I would agree with you. Like, we don't have to really go any further than that. I agree with you. That that would be my choice too. Um, that was that was big time, and that was an historic performance. And um, maybe at the beginning of the athletic season, we would never have said that was going to be considered the best championship performance by a Navy team all year. But I mean, you got to hand it to the girls. That was that was impressive, and um, it was awesome to to see volleyball kind of get over that hump in. Um, uh, in um, the coach's first year, Labrador's first year. So to see him come yeah. over and do that. So I think it's good. All right, let's uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll go to a commercial break here, and uh, and then we'll come back and talk a few more of these awards, and we'll get into the good stuff as far as team and, and male and female athlete and coach of the year. All right, welcome back to the Against All Enemies podcast. We're on our season wrap-up here, kind of talking through some of the awards we're going to have fans vote on. Uh, for best service academy performances of the year. We've already talked upsets, best games, best performances in championships and things like that, so more in the game performance. Now we're going to talk total season, um, total kind of person, and we're going to go through coach, athletes, and team of the year, which is obviously going to be the the big one there. Um, So coach of the year, Um, we've already kind of talked about some of the, the teams that have had really good performances this year as a whole, so... Yeah, kind of really curious to get your guys' take on on coach of the year because I think that's going to be a little bit different than maybe even athlete or team of the year depending on what the coach had coming into the year versus how the team performed versus exceeding expectations and things like that. So, um, Kayla, what, what was your thought on coach of the year? Yeah, so I had, unsurprisingly, I had Jeff Munkin <laughs> for football. 
obviously. And I think, you know, part of that and, and maybe coming in and, and us just starting the site and kind of delving more into Army's performance um, just this year um, and kind of expectations in comparison to kind of what I saw from other surface academies in the past um, and just kind of overall from an outside point of view, I was really impressed with their play. You know, like I said, it was kind of interesting to watch coming from perspective of a big football school who kind of plays differently um, and just a, a different caliber of players. I was really impressed. You know, we mentioned the Oklahoma game uh, that I was really excited to watch um, that I wasn't expecting in their schedule and was hoping something similar. Uh, well, we have one upcoming this year. Um, but I was impressed with kind of just the the movement of, of all the players and, and you know, having uh, so many awesome, awesome guys on the team and obviously Kelvin Hopkins Jr. starting just – I was interested in, and excited to see how he was going to use him on the field and really impressed by how they played this year. But I also believe, I'm trying to look it up as I'm talking because I had a bazillion things open, but the women's soccer coach, which I will find as soon as I Google it, um, but I believe it was her first year coaching and they made it to the Patriot League uh, play. It was the first time since like 2014. Um, and so reviewing uh, a lot of their work as well, I think, is, is valid. And I'll put that in there uh, as soon as I find it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so there definitely were some deserving coaches and, and teams overall um, where the coaches took on maybe beyond expectations. I think even the wrestling coach there maybe has some consideration. Um, I know men's golf was written down by somebody, so yep. that's probably Joe. Um, but it's really it's really hard to to not start to see Army football kind of creep in here. And we haven't really talked about them much yet other than the the game of the year. Um, and not just say, I mean, as a Navy fan, it's tough for me to say that, but it's just, it, I mean, it is what it is, right? When you have that kind of season, best season in program history, a, a program that says storied um, of a program as Army is to have their most wins ever, to dominate Houston in the bowl game, to win the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, to take Oklahoma and the Heisman Trophy winner to overtime. The only other blip on the season being the first game against Duke. And so right. after that first game, you're like, oh, this, this Army team is going to be a 8-4 team or 9-3 team. Like, that was my thought. Um, after watching that Duke game, it was pretty sloppy. And then for them just to kind of lock in and go on that um, that run minus the Oklahoma game, I mean, you got to find a hard time for me to argue against them being the – or against Munkin being the coach of the year. Um, so yeah, definitely. Oh, and now that I found it, so Adrian Blewett, head coach uh, for women's soccer, and it was now that I can clarify and look at it. So it's their first. There was they're qualified the first time uh, since 2014 uh, in a league tournament, the women's soccer team, and they were six seeded. Uh, so I thought that was pretty impressive too. So, but I'm gonna go with maybe. football. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so hard. As a Navy guy, you're going to have a hard time convincing me, and I'm, I'm excited to hear Scott and Austin try and do that, but you're going to have a hard time convincing me that, that he's not the coach of the year. And when we get to team of the year, it's going to be the same thing. Right. So, um, Austin, are you going to try and convince me otherwise? Um, well, you've kind of already talked about it, and I, I kind of, I mean, I have too, so that's kind of going with this, this same process of mentioning some of the same things over and over again. But, um, uh, Paco Labrador being his first year at Navy, being the Navy volleyball coach, winning the Patriot League title, as we've already talked about, but also going like an impressive 23 and 9. Um, your first year there, 
as the head coach and then winning the Patriot League championship for the first time ever, uh, that's that's pretty impressive. Um, so that's not disqualifying for a term or anything, but actually winning it. Uh, so I, I've got to think on the Navy side, he would be my, my top choice. Yeah, I'm guessing Rocky wrote down Cindy Timshaw for women's lax. Uh, and yeah, I mean, they were a great team again, but maybe a step down from two years ago and last year as far as as their run. And, and obviously she's the winningest coach of all time in women's lacrosse. So there's there's always going to be that argument. But same thing. I'm not going to argue with you on Paco. I, I would be in agreement with that to to come in your first year and do something that's never been done. Uh, we can, you know, I was going to bring up in kind of a news what's going on segment. Obviously, Navy hired their new uh, new men's lacrosse coach today, and and there's been some people maybe you know kind of scratching their head a little bit, myself included, on Joe Amplo um, from Marquette being the new men's lacrosse coach. But if you look at Chet's record of <laughs> bringing in coaches, like who better this year to be the shining example than Paco coming from a D three school? And in his first year, taking the the volleyball team to heights that it's never seen before. I mean, yeah, not gonna not gonna argue with you on that one either. So, Scott, what you got for Air Force? So when I was kind of coming up with my personal metric for what I think makes a great college coach, not just a great college coach, but a great service academy coach, um, it's definitely a cross section of success in actual competition and their schedule as well as recruiting, and. What I looked at is who had the biggest challenge when it comes to recruiting, and we have Doug Hill, who's the soccer coach. But the soccer, the soccer program in Air Force is pretty storied. Um, they don't have too hard of a time of bringing in some decent talent. Coach Serratore of the hockey team, um, I mean, he's he's a legend. He's a staple, and I think he's a great coach every year. Should always be in the conversation. Um, and then, of course, I think um, one of you guys mentioned it about. Uh, first-year coaches, I think Kayla did, talking about first-year coaches. And Bill Wilson uh, did a really great job, all things considered, with lacrosse program as, with his first year as a head coach. But I really have to give it to Kim Gidley uh, of the women's tennis team. She's been coaching now for 20 years, and I guess when she first got the program, there were coaches who said that they would quit if they were forced to play Air Force because it would hurt their rankings because they were so bad. So the fact that she's able to recruit a team and bring in these players. She was able to bring in a player from New Zealand who got into the Air Force Academy because her mom had American citizenship, and she was able to convince girls to come and play who had offers from Nebraska and Kansas State and take them on an absolutely historic run. Um, I just think it's really impressive, and and especially that the competition, even in the Mountain West, has this huge recruiting pool of a lot of foreign girls who come from European countries, um, where all they've done their entire lives is play tennis, and they all, most of them have professional aspirations and will play professionally afterwards. So I think it makes that feat even more impressive. Um, obviously, we didn't do as well as we wanted to towards the end of the season, but the other thing that we have to remember is that she was able to get these girls um, to kind of claim leadership positions within the team and really own their season. And the star players like Ashley Harvey and TJ Fumagalli. Um, they're juniors, so they still have another year, and so I think there's a lot more to come. But I was really impressed with her performance and, and what she's been able to do as a coach, uh, especially this year. Yeah, and I, I remember following along some doing the Ike Award stuff and just when the tennis team was kind of hitting their stride and at their peak of reading some of that stuff about you know how long she's been there and kind of it's kind of the opposite of the first-year approach of like you come in and like you do something incredible, but to stick it out for so long and slowly build something – 
um, to a championship level like that, given the challenges she has to face. And in that sport where um, maybe more so than most other sports, the international competition, the international players are going to be better than the than the American players, to be honest, aside from maybe golf or something like that, um, where you're competing against that. And you, the New Zealand thing is going to be, an, a, you know, an abnormality where you're not going to be able to bring in, you know, international students for the most part to a service academy um, to, to convince them to come play for you. So once again, on, on that one, for me, no, no objections on coach of the year. I think Kim Gidley is a great choice. And I think that leads us, you know, pretty well from that, uh, into female athlete of the year. So, uh, this is a good one. I think this one definitely would maybe I'm, yeah, I think more than male athlete and probably more than team for me, this, this might be the, the most competitive, uh, and hardest to make a decision on for, for multiple schools. Um, so I'll just throw it back to you, Scott, um, for Female Athlete of the Year, because I, I, I think I know who you would say, and and she would be hard to argue against overall for me. So Yeah, um, I mean, once again, just in terms of the conversation, I, I think that TJ Fumagalli is up there. We had some gym, gymnasts who would be up there, but uh, it's got to go to the girl who – actually won the Air Force uh, Academy's Athlete of the Year. She won awards to the senior class as well. Um, J.C. Smith, she is one of the best runners um, in school history. Um, she's a distance runner. She's won All-American honors in individual events, uh, multiple indiv individual events at the same indoor championship, and she's the only person who's ever done that. Um, and she's the only person, or she's the second runner um, in school history to ever have to ever be an All-American in cross-country at the D1 level as well because we, we used to be um, lower. And so she's qualified eight times for the, the NCAA championship in cross-country and track and field. And, uh, I mean, just really incredible um, what she's been able to do, and, and she's a fierce competitor. And the fact that she's able to do that all year round, basically, uh, starting out in the fall with cross-country, going straight to indoor and then outdoor track. So um, I don't – really even think that there's anybody who can catch her from from air force at least when it comes to athlete of the year yeah i mean i mean from the beginning of the year i mean well she was good before this year her senior year obviously she was very very good as a junior and sophomore as well but um yeah. i mean to be an all-american in multiple sports and i know there's crossover between distance running and cross country and distance running in track and field for sure but to be an, an all-american and technically in two sports um this year and she's going to be competing this weekend in the NCAA Outdoor Championships, I think on Saturday night um, in the 5,000-meter run. I mean, so she, she could potentially, if she does well there, she could be an All-American three times over mm -hmm. between cross-country, indoor track, and outdoor track this year. And if that happens, once I mean, I, we, you, you, Army and Navy, you can tell me you know who you got, but that's, that's tough to beat. Yeah, I, uh, for me on the Navy side um... – Kind of three names came to mind, and I'll st one of them that I don't think quite matches up with the other two is is Jennifer Coleman on the basketball side. Uh, if there was like a rookie of the year type thing we would have, I would have her in that conversation. You made it up, she man. Just, Make up a rookie of the year. We can do that. <laughs> yeah, maybe we will. Um, but when she when you compare her to what Lauren Barber has done in her sport of swimming, or what Kelly Larkin has done in lacrosse, I don't think she's quite there yet. Right in terms of what the, those two athletes have done, um, so for me, I probably give the nod to, to Kelly Larkin uh, on lacrosse, being the inside lacrosse All American, All ECAC, whatever. Like she's just 
an incredible dynamic athlete. Um, you could tell she was the best player on the field in almost every game she played in all year long. Um, but that's not any slight to Lauren Barber on the swim side, but hers is more, I would say, career-driven. Like, she's just had constant success every single year. Not to say that takes away from her success this year alone, but I think uh, Kelly Larkin kind of blossomed this year and kind of stole the show in terms of what 2018-2019 meant, whereas Lauren Barber's success swimming... I think I read that she won three three events uh, in swimming every single year. So all four years she was at the academy, she did, and she went to the NCAA's three times. Uh, and I think this year was her highest finish in one of the events, maybe top ten finish. Uh, I don't know. I have to look that up. But anyway, I'm still giving my nod to uh, to Kelly Larkin. But tough one, but tough call on the Navy side between her and Barber for me. Yeah, I mean that's. That's tough. I know I, I was championing Barber some more, but it was because it's tough because, yeah, I mean, Kelly Larkin maybe had the best individual year, but you look at career, Kelly Larkin's still going to be there next year. You look at career, Lauren Barber and what she's been able to do. She's the best women swimmer in Navy history. There's definitely, I mean, there's no arguing that. Sure. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was actually eighth place. So she, she finished eighth yeah. place in the 200 breaststroke. Um, so she made it to the final heat. She came in dead last in the final heat, but she made it to the finals of the 200 breaststroke at the NCAA championship. And so if you kind of look at the trajectory of her career um, and to finish on that note, um, man, that'd be tough. And I'm not going to – I will definitely um, – women's basketball at, at Navy, I was the officer up there. So that's, that's – those are my girls. That's my, that's my team. That's my coaches. And I, we went to the Houston game. Um, you were there, right? We, didn't we go together? The Houston football game this year? I was there. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we were hanging out, but that Friday Friday afternoon, I went and saw Jimmy Colleton, who's the one of the assistant coaches. That's that's my boy um, for the women's basketball team, and we were just talking about the upcoming year. And this so this was well before the season started, um, when they're just starting practice. And he's like, he's like Justin. He's like, we got this freshman. If she, you know, puts it together, I mean, she she's gonna be one of the best to ever play here. And I was like, yeah, okay, Jimmy, whatever. And then uh, you know, it's just from the beginning, she was. She was dominant, um, and for her to get snubbed, uh, I never really got to bring this up in the podcast, but to get snubbed um, from the 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 All Rookie Award for the Women's Patriot League was just that was one of the travesties of of the year for sure. Um, and I've had I've heard the coaches tell me that it was because of who she was and her kind of style of play that they think that the other coaches in the league um, didn't vote her for that award, but. She's got three more years to go. So, yeah, I mean, if it was me, I'd be going Lauren Barber, but I can see the argument for Kelly Larkin. Um, but Army, I'm really curious on this one too because we all know, Kayla, your, your kind of love affair with women's lacrosse this year, and I'm, and I'm sure that's kind of where you're going. But <laughs> So I want to hear your thoughts yeah. on, on Female Athlete of the Year for Army. So that was my – so Jackie was like my initial person that popped into my head, like initial Female Athlete of the Year just because – um, you know, even as a sophomore, tons of accolades. Awesome this season. Uh, she was second in the league, top 20 nationally. Um, she had, uh, you know, 63 total goals uh, this season. Um, scored in all 19 games. She was just kind of a, a beast on the field. And also uh, the first cadet in history that was recognized by the IWLCA postseason. Uh, so she got those accolades as well. But Aaron Johns on the women's soccer team, who also is, is a sophomore, um, and they finished in Patriot League play, was also on my list. Uh, Caroline Raymond, who's I believe is a freshman, um, also on my list. Um, and she's um, on lacrosse as well. So I tried to kind of stay away from the initial kind of lacrosse, what I wanted to do. But Jackie 
um, especially covering the team. Uh, definitely the, the top for, for female athlete of the year for me on Army side. All right. So what's your hot take? Don't. <laughs> well, my, my hot take is going back to women's basketball because once again, yeah. that's my thing um, is Madison Hovren. Yeah. Was the Patriot League leader in both scoring and rebounding for the year, first team all Patriot League. Um, she had a double double in like twenty some twenty three straight games or something. Did you put that um, in there <laughs> on the end of the year? I did. Okay. Yeah, that was the only other one besides the pen relay. That's the only other thing I added was was that. Okay, I was wondering. Um, I was because, like, oh, someone nabbed that. Okay, okay, fair, yeah, fair. I mean, she just she just had a dominant year. When you when you lead the conference in both scoring and rebounding, and you're like a double double machine, where basically you get one every single game. Right. Um, but that's another one where it's kind of like the career thing versus the individual. See, I mean, obviously it was a great individual season, but she's been on this career trajectory of breaking all these um, records in her senior year at Army. And I've got to watch her play several times as the O rep in her early years. I guess that would have been her sophomore year. And and uh, I mean, she was she was great. She always kind of struggled against Navy, so I took some pride in in that for my Navy women's basketball team. But what she did this year was was definitely special for Farmy wins basketball. So that'd be the only thing I'd throw in there is, is consider Madison Hovern as well. Valid hot take. Valid. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, all right. Um, men's athlete. Then we'll take another break and then we'll come back for team of the year. So men's athlete of the year. Scott, you've been quiet over there for a while. Um, so let me hear your take on men's athlete of the year or males. Of this is the, year. the one that really put my mind into a huge pretzel. <laughs> Um, and just determining what was going to be the number one I've kind never, of attribute. I've never heard that saying before regarding someone's mind. I like it. Just just twisted it. Um, I mean, I, I think the obvious answer out of the gate is probably Kyle Hack um, of the of the hockey team. Uh, he won the – I mean, he's, he's won multiple awards. He had a 3.9 GPA as a physics major with a minor in nuclear weapons, I believe. Um, and nuclear weapons. Th- <laughs> yeah, it was. Let me let me get the Talk exact. Talking about a mind. <laughs> I love it. Right. The uh, a major in physics with a minor in nuclear weapons and strategy. So people study yeah. nuclear weapons still. I guess. <laughs> um, so he won the senior class award, um, and just a really, I mean, a great cadet overall. He was the number three cadet at the academy, but he was also named the most outstanding cadet across all commissioning services for the Air Force. Um, which obviously means that he's the number one um, O one in the entire military because you know Air Force. Um, so it's so I would want to say him, but at the same time I'm looking for for performance on the ice and and performance as a team. And I mean I, I think that the hockey team really fell short this season. Uh, he he scored some goals, but really just just didn't exactly exceed the standards for what I think would make the the number one male athlete of the year. Um, I mean, and then obviously we have, we have other athletes like Michael Rhodes, who's still competing, um, on, in track and he'll be running this weekend. And then, I mean, you could even make a case for Garrett Coppola with everything that he did on and off the field and the kind of leadership role that he's had. And even Trey Lervick on lacrosse. And I mean, you want to throw maybe even both of our quarterbacks in there for stepping up, um, in times of uncertainty with Isaiah Sanders and Donald Hammond. But really, I think it just has to go back to Tucker Bone. Um, with what he was able to do in terms of his leadership and his performance and how far he took that team. Um, and so I think that it really says something that if he can stand out among that kind of field of awesome athletes, um, to me, I think it's just the number one choice for really what we're looking for here. 
Yeah, I think I think that was a great summary of that and and the decision making and what kind of had to go into that one because there was definitely some tough choices for sure. But we already talked several times about the men's soccer team and how far that team went. And he's the kind of leader of that team and and obviously not just the leader but the best player on the team. And um, and you know this time next year we pro- I mean there's a good chance Garrett Coppola is who we're talking about potentially right if Air Force's football season goes how you hope it goes next year um, and and where he's kind of taking his leadership and, and as well as combined with skill on the field. So, yeah, I mean, I, Tucker Bone seems like the logical choice to me. Um, let's go Navy actually next because I think Army might be the, the toughest one on this one. Um, uh, Navy's got to be the easiest one, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, we've talked about him for two months. Uh, <laughs> Noah Song, right? Uh, Fourth-round draft pick just like Fourth-round draft pick just last week. First or second round, you know, tight talent. Um, so... Without a doubt, he's got to be the the male athlete of the year for Navy. Yeah, and he won the the male sword of the year. Um, and the we already kind of talked about that once already about you know winning the the awards for the school. Um, so he won you know best male athlete of the year basically um, for the school. And and yeah, I mean we've already we've already kind of beat that one down, right? Obviously, the only addition since then is we already brought up once in the regional. Um, you know, only loss of the season ended up eleven and one with like a one point four four ERA and insane strikeout you know compared to inning ratio strikeouts per inning ratio and um got drafted last pick of the fourth round by the red Sox, but um definitely a higher talent than that there's the whole commitment piece that that goes into that but yeah i mean no argument there um i don't think if we're choosing strictly for navy and not overall i don't think anyone's going to argue with that i mean that's pretty clear cut so let's go to army then because i think army um that might and i know um, Scott kind of went through his logic in his mind before deciding on Tucker Bowen and writing it in our kind of Excel sheet, but we kind of have several listed, listed out for Army, and this is going to be similar to Air Force, and I think there's some really good arguments for, for several players on, on the Army for Male Athlete of the Year. So, Kayla, what was your thought on that? Yeah, so I think in kind of my initial, I had Kelvin Hopkins Jr., and then kind of going forward, uh, I mean, focusing on football, th- I mean, there's more than enough players, and I had discussed this on the podcast, talking about so many people who are leaving. Um, but James Nautical also, Darnell Woolfolk. I think not only kind of what you might think is like the obvious leaders of the team in terms of like captain, but also kind of just what I saw, um, you know, watching them play on the field. Um, it, it's kind of hard. And now I'm kind of talking myself also into a pretzel <laughs> Scott's wording. <laughs> um, someone, uh, yeah. of course, and I want to make sure I, I mentioned this because someone had also mentioned Dalton McAfee, um, which I believe is hockey. Um, yep. Looking that up. So that was a, another one. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, so it's, well, we can come back to the football one because that is tough, right? Because you have like not just James Nactagon and Darnell Wolfolk on the offense and obviously Kelvin Hopkins Jr. is running. I mean, it's hard to go. When your team is 11-2 and two mm-hmm. or whatever, it's hard to not, in any offense, but especially in the triple option, not have to have give some credit to the, the, the number one guy, right. quarterback, leading that, that huddle. Um, but then you look at even like Kenneth Brinson and, you know, being up for the, the Campbell Award, basically the academic Heisman and what he did, similar to, to what Scott had brought up for, you know, for, for Air Force counterparts. And then you kind of, along those same lines, have Dalton McAfee, where – Army had that big upset that we said, hey, that's maybe upset of the year against Mercyhurst, and he's that same guy. He won the Coach K Award for, like, excellence and character through sport yeah, for Army. just all around. This year, and, yeah, and, and was, you know, maybe not the best player on the ice, but um, the leader of that team took them further than maybe they thought they were going to go, so you kind of have that 
Um, and then beyond all of that, which we haven't brought up yet, was Johnny Serdic, which I know was mentioned, you know, on there right too. And that like that's like he's defender of the year for lacrosse, like for lacrosse. I mean, he's an All American, like the defensive um, player of the year for college lacrosse, you know, in Johnny Serdic, and um, and so most dominant on the field, perhaps Johnny Serdic. Um, I don't know. That's so that's where I don't know. It's it's really tough because you can kind of go at it three different ways. Um, best player on the best team best overall performance on the field, best well-rounded guy. So I don't know. Where, where are you landing now that I've put your mind <laughs> I, right? I'm like, um, <laughs> having three categories doesn't exactly make it easier. Um, but I think I – and I had mentioned him before, but uh, I think I'm going to go with Johnny Serdick. Just going um, – I mean, you know, men's lacrosse, uh, they did pretty well, not as, not as great as I wanted – you know, them to kind of go in, in comparison also, for, of course, to the women's team. Um, but I think kind of going over consistency and, and being really aggressive on the field, I'll go with him. I don't want to pick someone from football because it's just too difficult. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll just real quick, Austin and Scott, your, your takes on that Army Male Athlete of the Year, who would you go with? I mean, as a, I would say that as a non- uh, Army fan, if I were voting for somebody, it'd probably be Kelvin Hopkins Jr., mm-hmm. just in terms of visibility. Um, I mean, I think he put on a great season. He was he was the guy that when you tune in, he's the name that really rings a bell, and just watching him play was was extremely entertaining. So um, everything else kind of non-considered, coming from an Air Force fan, that's just who I would vote. I don't necessarily know if it's the best pick, but um, that's that would be my vote. Yeah, fair enough. I actually agree, but I was happy that uh, Scott jumped in to answer first because I was trying to think of a good reason not <laughs> to pick Kelvin Hopkins Jr. Like to be abstract or different, but that's obviously the first thing that pops up, and uh, it is hard for football. But it, it, it's football had such a strong year; they deserve some of these awards, and he was the leader of that team, and it makes sense for him to kind of be at the top of the Army list. Yeah, and that's going to bring us to to team of the year, and we'll do that um, you know when we come back from. Uh, we'll take one more break and come back and hit team of the year. And that's going to lead us right into that. But I mean, you look at exposure of the sport and who's, you know, voting on things like that. Like Kelvin Hopkins is going to, is going to be up there. Maybe you can convince enough people that know a song was more dominant or something. I don't know, but um, and that's going to take us into to team of the year. Cause I know, I know where army is going on that. I don't have to question where we're going as far as <laughs> army team of the year. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about that after a quick break. All right. Welcome back. Um, we're going to wrap up the Against All Enemies podcast kind of season ending episode here for the 2018-2019 season. And we're going to end that with our kind of final award of the year, which is the big one, right? Team of the year. Uh, which team was the most dominant team for service academies um, or the best team for service academies in that 2018-2019 year? Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and, Kayla, go ahead, get it out of the way. Army, Army football, no surprise. <laughs> <laughs> We've already kind of beat, beat the dead horse. I don't want to beat it anymore because I'm trying to steer people away from voting. No, it's, it's fine. We don't want to encroach on people's opinions. No, it's going to be a landslide. It's going to be a landslide. So like, I'm trying to do anything I can to, to maybe bring in some other discussion. But, I mean, we already hit on it, right? Yeah. Like, best season ever, 11-2, Commander Chiefs Trophy. Blowout Houston, yada, yada, yada. All that. Army football is Army's choice for team of the year, as they should be. Yeah. I mean, even if you're looking beyond the fact that they're the football team, I know somebody threw out 
uh, on there, perhaps the women's rugby team, um, which Army is the only school has considers it varsity for the for the rugby team. It's not just like club, but women's rugby team making it to the semifinals, final four of the national championship for the rugby sevens. I mean, that's a big deal. Um, so maybe there is maybe an argument there, but I, I don't think I don't think so. Right? It's gonna be Army football. Yeah. Um, but any other thoughts on that, or should we just jump right to Air Force? All right, I'm noticing a trend here that basically I like to make my picks based on whatever the lowest common denominator <laughs> is and put things into the simplest terms. And so the way I kind of thought about this one was who do you want to watch a 30 for 30 about their entire season is really mm. kind of the metric that I used. Um, because obviously we have we have air rifle. I mean, once again, they won the national championship. No one else can say that, so I would say that they're up there. Men's soccer had their awesome run, but just all things considered, um, with what I said about women's tennis, I still think that that season kind of takes the cake. And, and the only thing that really would have probably had them give Army football a run for their money is if they had gone further into the tournament. Um, but, I mean, they got up to number 68 in the country, which doesn't sound high, but like I said, considering that all these other – I mean, there are other teams where quite literally the entire starting lineup is international. And um, – and just to where they were able to come from and the fact that it's all younger players on that team. And with Kim, I mean, there's also something to be said about the fact that uh, they didn't even win the conference tournament or the conference championship regular season. And still Kim Gidley was named as coach of the year. So I think it's been an incredible story an incredible run to follow. And uh, I'm going to stick with them as my team of the year. Yeah. I mean, maybe like you said, the RF team, they won national championship. So that's, There'd be an argument there. Men's soccer, there'd be an argument there. But, I mean, yeah, I, I think given given the season that they had and that kind of steady climb, and it was unfortunate for them to kind of fall off at the end because they had the chance to kind of solidify that championship um, and make that run into the as they headed into the NCAA tournament um, and didn't kind of come to fruition. But it's certainly uh, an impressive year for sure. But doubt they're going to outvote Army football, unfortunately. So... All right, Navy. It's going to be the same story, but what, what, what do we got? Best best Navy team uh, for this year. Yeah, so some of the sports we've already talked about. We've talked about Navy volleyball's success. Um, we talked about women's lacrosse a little bit. I mean, they did get the at-large bid, right? I think that was the first time in, in history the Patriot League had an at-large bid. And so mm-hmm. the first last time year. Before Navy. What's that? Loyola got one last year. Well, so, sorry, so it was the first time Navy got yes. an at-large correct. bid, right? Yes. But it was the second time the Patriot League got one. Is that correct? Yes. Um. So I mean, that's worth something. Um, men's gymnastics did win the uh, ECAC, ECAC championships, which is a good year for them. But when I think of like who the best, the best program, I, I can't do the thirty for thirty metric because I feel like if I wanted to watch a thirty for thirty on any sports team at Navy this past year, I would want to watch a Navy one just to see how they handled a losing season. <laughs> but I wouldn't nominate them for team of the year, so I can't follow through with Scott's uh, uh, criteria on this one. Um, but I liked swimming and diving because they're so dominant every year that it's almost like you could always pick them, <laughs> uh, for this position. So if this is the first year we're going to do it and then it comes down to, are you going to pick the men or the women? Cause they're both pretty equally dominant, at least at this time, uh, both first in the Patriot league, uh, won the ECAC as well. Um, but the women's swimming and diving with Lauren Barber and actually getting, uh, some NCAA points, in the NCAA championships, I'm going to give 
women's swimming and diving the nod for my team of the year. Yeah, so I think that's interesting because they're not going to normally be a team that you would pick probably if, if, if all things are equal and everybody has kind of a season that, that you expect from, from them or something like that, right? But a down season for Navy football, a down season for several programs that if they have a, a above-average season, that might jump them into just based on the program they are into team of the year. So, like, why not give it to swimming and diving on a year when there's really not a standout team per se – um, to give it to because they are so dominant consistently. So I mean, I kind of I kind of see that logic and and can buy that um, for sure. The one that I throw up there that I thought was just uh, certainly a team we haven't talked about now um, up to this point, uh, but lightweight rowing um, mm. finished second in the country, second in nationals um, a week ago or two weeks ago or something like that, which is pretty impressive to finish runner up um, in any in any sport. So I thought maybe them, but I'm not gonna. Yeah, I, I think that. Um, because they've been so dominant in the Patriot League, they kind of just get overlooked. Like it's almost like a jump automatically to um, women's lacrosse is the best women's program at the Naval Academy. I think, right? Is that that's that's at least where my mind goes, and I think most people go. Um, but they haven't even been around that long, and yes, they've had success the last couple of years. But talk about a team that's just been consistently dominant for I don't even know what what they're up to now as far as Patriot League wins in a row, um, women swimming and diving. I mean. Absolutely, that you can make an argument for that. Once again, not gonna Army football is gonna win that yeah. category. So sure. <laughs> well, I would even say like let's if baseball wins the Patriot League and even yeah. maybe wins one game in the regional, I'm gonna yep. nominate them. Or yep. if if Lax uh, wins one more game in the tournament, or maybe yep. they upset Loyola win the Patriot League, then I'm talking about them women's lacrosse, obviously. But uh, since those things didn't come into fruition, that's kind of where I, where I fell with women swimming and diving. Sorry, I cut out there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you're exactly right. And I had that same same train of thought of, like, there's a couple other teams that would have been right there, but it just didn't kind of end the way they wanted to end. And, and swimming and diving not only kind of met the bar, but went a little bit higher than they've ever gone, perhaps. Um, so so I can see that. Um, cool. All right, so that kind of wraps. taking that away from Navy Volleyball? Dang, man, I'm so tough on myself. <laughs> you gave Navy, Volle- we gave Navy Volleyball perhaps, like, three other awards, so. Championship yeah. performance, coach of the year. Uh, <laughs> I don't even remember what else. So they 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 got some love for sure. All right, but all right. So that's kind of our rundown. I think this will be good. I think it should be good for the site. I think it it was fun to kind of talk about, reminisce about the year and some of the big performances um, that that have happened. Not to you know sell J C Smith short because she's still about to compete in the NCAA track and field championships. But that's pretty much the end of the season. Um, and it was a good one. We had a national championship. We had an army team finish in the top 25 in football um, and just some really good, you know, overall individual performances and things like that. So, you know, as to be expected, the three service academies, you know, performed performed well in the 2018-19 season. Um, we do have a couple of things maybe to make of note as we kind of wrap up here of just news since this is a little bit different um, episode for this past week. So, um, yeah, so we had a couple of things happen. Kayla, Army, you know, had some big news in the past week. They Yeah, we've got... They found the replacement for Boo Corrigan. <laughs> right, finally. Uh, so we got a, a new AD in, in Mike Buddy. So he comes to us uh, from Furman, where he was the AD uh, uh, for the past four years. And uh, he also um, 
spent five years in Major League Baseball, drafted by the Yankees in 92, um, and pitched 87 games there and was pretty good. Uh, so he'll be taking over for Dan McCarthy, who was uh, the interim AD, and now we've got, we've got a, a fearless leader. So it'll be exciting to see how we move forward. Yeah, so everybody in my family, except for my dad, well, not everybody, but my dad and my brother and sister went to Clemson, but everybody else in my family and my extended family, like all my grandparents, all my aunts and uncles, my mom, every other person in my family pretty much went to Furman. Oh, really? Um, so I'm a huge Furman. Yeah, yeah. Um, like 10 or 12 of my extended family members, plus my mom, all graduated from Furman. So we're, we're a big Paladins uh, family, and uh, so this is a little bit biased, but I think that was an excellent hire. Um Mike Buddy is going to be great. He is he's ta- they whoever takes over for Furman next is going to have like the easiest job because he really left that program like right on the cusp. Mm-hmm. Uh, men's basketball, football, baseball, the top sports, um, golf, women's golf has always been kind of big there, but he left their their top sports just ripe for some um, some championships, Southern Conference championships in the next few years. And I think I, I don't know. I watched that introductory press conference. Um, I think he's going to fit in well at Army. I think that was a great hire. I don't know if anybody's, anybody else have any thoughts on, on the Mike Buddy hire. Or... It's a great baseball name. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. And, and it really is. Like, I, I think that's going to be a good one. I think now it's like – and Boo Corgan was obviously great. He did. He had a great turnaround. But you look just across now, Army got that done before we really kicked into summer. And now you got – Chet, who's been established for a long time, but then you throw in Nathan Pine and Mike Buddy, and I, I think you've got three great ads, um, and it's just going to be fun to to really cover and watch. So that was big news. Um, Scott, you got some golf news for us, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so Billy Hurley uh, this week qualified for the U.S. Open, uh, which is going on June sixth through the ninth. So either this weekend, if you're listening to it now, or it's already happened. Um, qualified in his backyard, basically at Woodmont Country Club in Rockville, Maryland. Um, he tied for first at three under, and it was really impressive considering how tough that course is. It's extremely long, and some of the other players in the field um, who actually missed the cut were Daniel Summerhays, Chris DeMarco, and Edward Lar. So, a lot of guys who have a lot of PGA experience, really great golfers, um, and it just it's just really impressive. I mean, if you're looking for kind of a storyline, watch him. I wouldn't go in with super high expectations. He hasn't had a a crazy over-the-top great year. Uh, His highest finish comes with a tied 30 at the Valspar. Um, And the last guy to win the U.S. Open through qualifying like he has was Edward Moody in 1969. So, I mean, take that with a grain of salt. So if if he plays well this weekend, it just makes it all that much more impressive, all that much more great of a story. Um, if not, Hey, still awesome. It's, they call it the toughest day in golf because it's 36 holes on a super long course. Um, and he was able to make it through. So good on him. Hey, also our first, uh, our first guest here on the podcast, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And we'll have to, that's just for all you people out there listening, you know, you know, we get people, people out there engaged and listening to the podcast more and more. We, we are helping to enable great success for professional service athletes. <laughs> Jesse Wooji is going to win. Our, Jesse Wooji is about to win on the truck series oh, in a couple of weeks. You just watch. Like, we're we're pushing for success. Uh, I thought it was cool because... So what, so what does that mean then for Air Force sports in general? Dang. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. We're winning multiple national championships next year. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be uh, yeah. in, the, in the college football playoffs. It's going to be Oregon, Alabama, Texas, and Air Force. Oh, my God. So... <laughs> 
what, what this really means is I'm <laughs> expecting an email from Mike Buddy or, or from the Army Communications Department like tomorrow or whenever we post this, like trying to get on the show <laughs> as quickly as possible. Um, but, but yeah, so one thing I thought was cool about Billy Hurley's sectional qualifying was um, there was apparently discussion between him and his caddy up, up until the morning of whether he was going to have a standing bag or, or um, I don't even know what you call it, the bag where the, the legs pop out, right? Um, uh, because he's got the sweet um, bag that's, you know, from representing his his swotum as a surface warfare officer. Um, but it, that's kind of tough to, lu- to lug around for 36 holes. Um, so he went with his old Navy uh, from the Naval Academy. His, his bag from midshipman days was the bag he carried, Um for that day for the 36 holes, which is really cool. Oh, wow. um, and obviously we'll be cheering them on. And the fact that it's, it's at Pebble beach, right, Scott. So, I mean, that's, that's right out there in Monterey. It's not, obviously not a military course by any stretch, but it's just, it's right there um, where, where MPS is, where the Naval postgraduate school is. So there will be a, a strong Navy presence. There always is um, when Pebble beach hosts a major. So I just, I don't know. I think that's, that's, that's cool that, um, that he kind of gets to, participate in the u.s open at pebble beach so yeah big big news in the golf world and obviously we were happy billy was our first guest and we we're obviously cheering him on and looking forward to i am now more watching the u.s open than trying to watch brooks Kepka win for a third u.s open in a row i get to cheer for billy at least for thursday and friday so uh, but hopefully not hopefully for four days make the cut billy you got it <laughs> um all right so kind of last thing we'll, we'll finish the wrap up we did already mention noah song was drafted fourth overall or fourth overall in the fourth round um, by the Boston Red Sox, uh, last pick of the fourth round. But we did have two other um, service academy athletes get drafted in Nick Reddy in the 23rd round, I believe. Right, Scott? Is that right? Yep. Um, and then Jacob Hurtubis from Army um, was in... 39th. I don't remember now. 39th. I was going to say 29th. So 39th round. Um, so three... Service Academy athletes, baseball, uh, they got drafted at MLB draft over the last couple of days. I think all three probably lower than where they should have been drafted for sure. Um, we thought Song had a chance to be drafted higher. And Nick Reddy, people are talking as high as like the eighth round for Nick Reddy. So I think there's, it's just, it's so hard to get past that um, uncertainty with the commitment piece and what that looks like. And it's just, I don't know. We could talk about it more. We've talked about it before another time. We've already run long on the podcast like we always do, but it's just, it's a disservice to the, to the kids to have such uncertainty because it affects their careers regardless either way. And, you know, Noah song, there was an article in the New York times about him not being allowed to be a pilot anymore because of height reasons. And that's BS. I mean, that's not like six, three guys can fly pretty much any aircraft. Um, yeah. it, it's not, it's not for height reasons. It's cause it's an eight year commitment. And so then they can drop that down to a six year NFO commitment and I've heard, but I'm once again, this is just, I've just heard that their potential that he may not even be able to go NFO anymore. And so like jerking the kid around who actually seems like he wants to fly. And then because of the uncertainty of everything that's impacting his other potential career because of, you know, the draft stock, I, I don't know. Count me in the group that says we like, I don't, I don't even really care. I just want something consistent that is, this is the policy and this is what we're rolling with so that this doesn't happen. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree, and, and not to belabor the point, but you got to consider too that the higher they get drafted, the more money you have to pay them out. Uh, Griffin Jacks was drafted; I, I think he had about a six hundred thousand dollars signing bonus uh, when he was drafted in two thousand sixteen, and at that time he was able to go. And then in two thousand seventeen, when he was a, a firstie, 
um, it came out that he wasn't going to be able to ultimately play. And so that looked like a basically $600,000 down the drain for the Minnesota Twins organization. Mm-hmm. So I understand the hesitation from the pro standpoint, but yeah, it just sucks. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, that's what I'm saying. Just make, let's have something consistent across all three schools and, and let's stick with it instead of the back and forth, you know, and, and it just, it's just a disservice to, to everybody that's a part of the, like, I, I can, I see it from all angles and I'm, like I understand the Navy and the Air Force and the Army's perspective. I understand the team's perspective, and then the person that really matters, the individual. And everybody just wants answers, and no one gets answers. And like Austin Cutting doesn't—I mean, he still doesn't know what's going to happen, right? So like everything's up in the air. Um, so let's get some consistency. So yeah, so I hate to end the podcast on a on a grim note there and kind of bring it down after we've had all this great talk about teams and players of the year and stuff like that. But it just—it still bothers me and will continue to bother me. So uh, hopefully. Noah Song and, and the rest of the professional athletes that have gotten drafted will at least have some kind of resolution sooner rather than later on what their futures look like. Um, but that kind of wraps up our 2018-19 end of the year podcast episode. Uh, we look forward to – I do. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I mean, I'm already like itching and we just got into week one of the, of the summer of getting into real, like real football mode and getting into podcasts devoted to football. Oh, I'm ready. Not that there's – not that I don't love all the other sports. We have clearly, hopefully, shown you that we know um, service academy sports. Maybe not in and out, but we, you know, we pay attention to everything and and know what's going on across all of our sports. Uh, hopefully, that's that's evident. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's time to get into football mode, and and that's going to bring out the really good stuff. So can't wait to get into that with you guys, breaking down positions by you know teams, schedules, all kinds of stuff. We got a lot of good stuff that's going to come out in the over the next few months and it's going to be good stuff. So thank you for continuing to listen to us. Give us a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, Continue to follow us on SB nation at against all enemies.com. And, and we'll look forward to catching you next time and having some great football discussion. Congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. Winners of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcons. Absolutely.